I thought I might begin, Kurt, by articulating something that I think a lot of people are feeling right now, which is, oh my God, first COVID, now monkeypox. What the hell? This is bullshit. Are you kidding me? it, It does sort of feel that way. Morning, a mysterious new outbreak of monkeypox is growing. Spreading around the world, World Health Organization says there are 80 confirmed cases thus far in 11 different countries, so that number is expected to go up. Scientists are surprised the infection, which is most common in remote parts of Africa, has spread so wide and so quickly. This outbreak is really unusual because this is by far the largest outbreak we've seen outside Africa. And the really distinctive thing is that there's transmission happening in high-income Western countries. And there appears to be some asymptomatic transmission. So that's um, a concern. Kia ora, I'm Emil Bonovan, and today on The Detail, monkeypox. What is it? How much do we know about it? How does it spread? And how worried should we be? Professor Kurt Krauss from Otago University. I'm a, an infectious diseases physician and practiced in uh, infectious diseases in the United States before moving to New Zealand. And the thing about infectious diseases is that every year or two, there's a new um, and emerging disease. And we hear it all the time. There's West Nile. What you need to understand is the reservoir for West Nile virus, actually, it's birds. Birds are the one who are carrying this West Nile virus, a mosquito. St. Louis encephalitis. The first time since 1973, health officials have confirmed a human case of St. Louis encephalitis virus in San Joaquin County. Chikungunya disease. Now, they, they first isolated this virus in 2013 in the Caribbean. And so I think for a while, everyone thought, well, you know, it's not going to really... Hantavirus. And actually in 2006, when I was still in the States, there was monkeypox. Monkeypox appeared of all things, because uh, monkeypox got into a group of prairie dogs, and prairie dogs were being sold as pets, Mm -hmm. and these infected prairie dogs were infecting people. And about 60, 70 people ended up picking up monkeypox. And this was, uh, for me, the first time I'd heard of monkeypox. So in reality, um, if you do infectious diseases, you'll run into a sort of a new exotic infectious disease pretty regularly. And unfortunately, uh, the great majority of the time, they they don't amount to being a huge outbreak, right? They, they can be significant, and some of the infections can be, you know, really quite dramatic, but usually there's a little small outbreak, and the outbreak goes away. Mm. Uh, but what will happen is at the time, people will say, well, this could be a pandemic, this might be a pandemic, but you learn to dismiss it. And we've dismissed it every year, year in and year out. But then in um, 2019, something appeared which actually turned out to be it, the pandemic. And it was life-changing and game-changing, right? And it's been with us and it's still with us. So I think there's an, a, an element of fatigue about, oh God, I can't go through that again. And, and that's exactly right. And I think the odds of us going through that again are very, very slim. I don't think that's going to be the case for this, but I understand completely uh, people's reaction to monkeypox. Well, that's that's an excellent point, and that segues really well, I think, into what I think is an important question to get get out there at, at the outset. At this stage, looking at monkeypox at this stage, is this scary? Is this something that health officials around the world are, are really worried about, or are we a wee bit COVID traumatised and this is an altogether different category to COVID-19? Completely different category from COVID-19. Very, very different virus. So monkeypox is a pox virus. 
um, it's a relative of chickenpox. And all of us have either had chickenpox or we've had the chickenpox vaccine, right? And you run into chickenpox, people get skin lesions. You have to be careful because you're infectious when you have the skin lesions. And then when they crust over and, and, uh, and, and dry up, you're no longer infectious. And so monkeypox is like that. It has a much more stable genome than coronavirus, and it's transmitted by contact as opposed to being transmitted by aerosol, so you're much less likely to pass it on. So, yeah, there, it's, a, it's a very, very different entity. Uh, I am a little bit surprised about how much attention it's attracted, and I think the reason is, one, I think um, people are hyper-attuned to a new infectious disease mm. appearing on the horizon. That's certainly true. But the other thing is, most prior monkey pox outbreaks have been localized like the prairie dog one that i mentioned was tied to the prairie dogs and uh, people who got the prairie dogs they ended up getting it and then none of those people gave it to anybody else so they're very they're, they were very localized there have been outbreaks in west africa outbreaks in congo outbreaks there was an outbreak in 2017 in nigeria that was that was pretty big but normally they're quite localized. This one has spread to 14 countries quite quickly. Taking the total up to 56, those new infections detected here in England while neighbouring Scotland has also just notched up its first case. One case already confirmed in Massachusetts and now a case under investigation in New York City. The disease is now raising alarm after marking an unusual outbreak in Europe. Canada's public health agency is investigating a string of monkeypox cases. Canada is one of 11 countries reporting outbreaks with a total of more than 130 confirmed or suspected cases worldwide. The numbers are still small, but the rapidity with which it's spread, I think, has aroused interest. Uh, but still, the, uh, I, I'm not and I'm not panicking because uh, I think it's very likely that monkeypox that we're seeing now is going to be the same monkeypox that we've experienced and has been experienced in prior outbreaks. It's a virus which is relative of smallpox. Dr Massimo Giola, infectious diseases expert and sexual health physician at Lakes DHB. Which was a human virus, and I can say was because it's probably the only infectious disease that has gone completely extinct mm. and was eradicated through universal mass vaccination campaigns and has been declared extinct in the early 80s. So monkeypox is a relative of, of smallpox. And despite the name, which comes from the fact that it was first isolated in a monkey, it looks like the natural hosts are mostly African rodents and the monkeys can get infected and obviously humans can get infected as well. But until now, it wasn't easy and there wasn't really any sustained human-to-human -human transmission. So we might be seeing something slightly different here, as it appears there was over the last few weeks. Not sustained, but for sure, relatively um, not easy, but, you know, possible human-to-human -human transmission, which was not meant to be the case previously from what we know. It's, it's a virus that was until recently confined to the field of exotic tropical curiosities, really, in infectious diseases. And so there are very few cases reported, I think about 1,500 in the whole medical literature. And this will be the biggest outbreak already, as it is, of the last 10 or 20 years.
So we have a pox virus and what do they do? So there's a prodromal period where they cause fever and headache. And in the case of monkeypox, people get lymphadenopathy. So they'll get swollen lymph nodes and that's somewhat unusual for pox illnesses. Then after that, the rash forms, these pox-like lesions form. And in monkeypox, the lesions tend to occur on the face first and then they spread to the chest and other areas and they can spread it to the hands and feet. And then they can enlarge and coalesce and then Sometimes they will burst open, and then over three to four weeks, they crust and then eventually recover, and then most people are, are, are totally better. Some infections are quite, quite severe, and depending on the strain of monkeypox, there's a fatality rate of around 1% for what's known as the West African strain, and the, the Central African strain has a higher mortality rate in the kind of a 5 to 10% range. The numbers are a little fuzzy because mostly it's case fatality rates that are quoted, which means of reported cases, how many people die. Mm. And that's probably an underestimate of the total number of cases because most, you know, many, many cases would, would end up not being reported. Okay. Generally speaking, it's transmitted if you come in physical contact with the pox lesions, because the pox lesions are filled with virus, or if you come in contact with material that's been contaminated by those pox lesions, or for somebody who's got um, pneumonia or pneumonitis that's involving monkeypox, their respiratory secretions might contain um, viruses. Now, by respiratory secretions, it's droplets, which is very different from aerosols. So Mm -hmm. there's no history of monkeypox being transmitted by aerosols, but direct contact with respiratory secretions is is a possibility. So are you suggesting there that it would be possible maybe to to contract monkeypox through kissing someone, but not by standing really close to to them? Is that is that a useful <laughs> analogy, maybe? If you were standing really close to somebody and they coughed on you, so you had droplets or deposited on your skin or on your mucous membranes, then that would be possible. Okay. Uh, it would also be possible to get it by kissing someone if they had lesions in, the, in their mouth. Yeah. Usually what happens is when people declare themselves like, okay, I've, I've got this, this pox illness, they're isolated, there's contact tracing that's carried out so that their close contacts are interviewed and, and, and watched so, so that they don't end up spreading the illness. Uh, and then typically for monkeypox, the outbreak will die out and uh, over you know, a, a few weeks. Another thing that makes us different from coronavirus is there's, there's a, a vaccine already available mm-hmm. and approved that is effective against monkeypox. And there are some antivirals already available that are effective against monkeypox. Obviously, what caught my attention immediately wearing my hat of sexual health physician is that... A large proportion of the cases detected overseas are amongst gay, bisexual or men who have sex with men. And we're particularly urging men who are gay, bisexual, or men who have sex with men to be aware of any unusual rashes or lesions. Let's talk about this, because um, this is what you talk to the Science Media Centre about. I think you said actually in your comments, and maybe this is taking a step back from Monkeypox specifically, but that uh, gay and bisexual men, men who have sex with men, are often, you said, the canary in the coal mine when it comes to infectious diseases. And I want to, can you explain why that is? Yeah, I think the analogy is clear enough to everyone. So the miners used to bring a canary bird in a cage down in the tunnels because they will be the first to be affected by 
any toxic gases in the mine. And so the analogy stands because very often gay and bisexual men are the first population to be affected by sexually transmissible infections. So it has been the case for HIV, as I'm sure everyone remembers, and has been the case, for example, in the uh, syphilis epidemic we are seeing in New Zealand over the past decade. So why gay and bisexual men are the canner in the coal mine? It's very complex, so I don't pretend to be able to explain that in a short interview, but mm. just to give you some hints, I know what the people are thinking about. So they are thinking, oh, it's because those naughty and promiscuous gay men have sex with anyone, you know, in their proximities. That's not the case. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint. Mm. So when you look at the total number of sexual partners in a lifetime, gay men are no different from anyone else. What happens is that there is a little bit more of what we call in sexual health concurrent partnership, mm. which means having in a short amount of time, two or three maybe only, sexual partners, whereas heterosexuals tend more to be in serial partnerships, even if the, the partnerships are relatively short. And, you know, it's a small difference. It's a trend. It's not a major difference. But we think that small difference is possibly enough to sustain better transmission of uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Plus, gay men are the minority of the population, and therefore our sexual networks tend to be more dense. So, you know, there are only a limited number of people. So you are sleeping with someone who was sleeping with someone who was sleeping with someone. Soon enough, you've got a very dense sexual network. And so as soon as an STI gets into the network, it gets transmitted very easily. And then finally, gay men in many countries face stigma and discrimination or even potentially, you know, being convicted because of their sexual behavior. And so we tend to congregate in safe places, which might be gay bar, gay saunas, or a big festival somewhere. And of course, there will be a lot of us at the same time in the same place. And again, even with the best intentions, you know, no one goes out there intentionally spreading infections, but you know, the close proximity of a number of people uh, will definitely promote the transmission. Interestingly, maybe that's what actually has happened in this outbreak. I was reading over the weekend the Spanish press. The Spanish have been very open about what's going on, and they've been saying, well, we, you know, 22 out of 23 cases were gay men, whereas other countries have been more cagey about telling exactly what was going on. And the Spanish authorities have possibly identified a super spreader event, and that will make sense and will explain why we are seeing all these single cases or two cases popping up in other countries. And their hypothesis at the moment is that the super spreader event was possibly the Gay Pride Festival in Mas Palomas in Gran Canaria. Mm which attracted from the 5th to the 15th of May, 80,000 coming from all across Europe and North America. It was two years that they couldn't have the party because of COVID. So obviously there was great expectations and a lot of people had planned a trip mm -hmm. to the Canary Islands. And so, you know, that could be the explanation. And if that was the case and there is no more ongoing transmission, 
you know, being a bit optimistic, we might get on top of the outbreak reasonably quickly. That was fascinating. That was a really excellent and, and, and informative answer. So thank you for that. I did want to ask you um, explicitly here because I think some people may be reading some of the coverage of this stuff around monkeypox and they might be thinking to themselves that this is a, a sexually transmitted infection. That's not exactly the case, is it? Well, that depends how you define things. So mm-hmm. um, first of all, do we say sexually transmitted or sexually transmissible? Because obviously there are a number of infections that are not primarily sexually transmitted, but given the right circumstances, they can spread during sex. So a typical example is scabies, which is a skin infection. So it's not a sexually transmitted infection. It's not like chlamydia or gonorrhea. But when people have sex, they will normally drop their clothes off Mm. and there will be lots of skin to skin contact. So obviously, scabies can pass through sex. Does that make scabies a sexually transmitted disease? No. But can it happen during sex? Yes. There are plenty of opportunities for a virus that spreads via skin-to-skin contact. So, you know, we need to debunk the idea that you necessarily need a penetration, a sexual intercourse. Things are a bit more nuanced than that. Yes, and and this is probably a good place as well to say that maybe we need to take the lessons of HIV here and say that, you know, this is not a disease clearly that only affects gay men. In fact, you know, as you outlined there, there are questions around how monkeypox is spreading in these situations. And so people shouldn't jump Mm. to any conclusions about how this spreads or or fall into the assumption that it's a, a, a disease that only affects gay men. It is certainly not. Oh, no, absolutely. So, you know, as I say, well, gay men are a bit of like the sentinel population, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so from, from a point of view, we are actually servicing the community by acting involuntarily, of course, mm-hmm. as, as I say, the canary in the coal mine. So, you know, there is nothing special about gay sex that makes it more prone to transmitting infections and there is nothing genetically different among gay men or you know even Mm. radically behaviorally different among gay men that makes them carriers of disease but hey you know homophobic people will be homophobic anyway Mm -hmm. so there are still people around that think hiv was given by god to humanity as a punishment for homosexuality and that will not change i mean it's been 30 years and there are still people around who think that so you know i have heard it said that um the fact that we eradicated smallpox and therefore the smallpox vaccine is not administered to people routinely these days has perhaps opened up a a, a vulnerability in modern populations to something like monkeypox is that is that true you know, that could, there could be an element of truth in that. In fact, the main reason we discovered monkeypox existed was because cases were identified in places where smallpox had been eradicated. And they're like, hold on, what is this? Mm-hmm. Then they did the testing. They're like, oh, okay, this is monkeypox. We didn't, and, and monkeypox was, was identified earlier as a zoonotic illness, right? And that involved animals. It wasn't known to infect people. But then in 1970, the first human cases were identified, and that was near the time when the eradication of smallpox was progressing. 
Is it possible that the monkeypox that we believe we know has morphed and changed into something different that we are yet to discover the details of? Yes, and that's probably um, uh, the biggest caution that I have is we need to get the whole genome sequence of the monkeypox viral strain that's being passed around. That needs to be completed, and we need to compare it to the prior strains. So there are two main strains that we hear about mostly are the Central African or the Congo strain or the Western African strain. So has anything shifted there? Has anything changed? One reason I, uh, I am, I mean, you, you have to be worried about that a little bit, but one reason I'm less worried about that is that pox virus genomes are generally more stable than, say, the coronavirus mm-hmm. genomes. Coronavirus genomes are known to have lots of genetic change, lots of genetic drift, just like influenza genomes are known to, to drift a lot. Uh, so I would be surprised if there is a major change, but let's find out. The impression that I've gotten from speaking to you today is that, you know, overall, these outbreaks around the world are concerning and slightly mysterious, but they are more a topic of, of curiosity and concern than alarm and existential crisis. I would say so. Some countries, as I said, have been very cagey in releasing the details. And I guess that's because in some countries it's only one person and obviously they have confidentiality concerns. But also I've seen people saying, oh, we shouldn't be saying it's gay and bisexual men to avoid driving stigma and discrimination. I'm not sure that I agree with that. I believe the more details without breaching confidentiality we are able to share, the more likely we are to pinpoint exactly you know, what's been happening. So I, I applaud the Spanish authorities, as I said, because they've been very open in saying well, what's exactly, what exactly has been going on. Um, and yeah, the more news we share, the more information we share, the more we'll be able to bring this to a swift end. I think that's fair. I think it's very unlikely to cause anything like uh, COVID. I think it's, uh, it, it may be that New Zealand ends up with a, a few cases, but uh, for New Zealand to end up with a large outbreak, I'd be surprised. And it would be extraordinarily unlikely for it to be sort of a population-wide outbreak. I think that would be, that would completely would floor me completely so I don't expect anything like that it's it's much less contagious than than coronavirus and I like to point out that that the are not term which is something that became such a, a, a common term when talking about coronavirus which is sort of the number of people that one person with coronavirus infects with with uh, coronavirus and omicron we heard that that are not number might be as high as sort of 10 to 15 people so each person infected with omicron infects 10 to 15 other people the are not that has been reported for monkeypox is always less than one mm-hmm. so that is one person with with a monkeypox usually doesn't infect anybody else so uh, it's its nature is to be dramatically less transmissible and i think that's going to be uh, good news for us and i uh, hope that this, like the myriad of, of, of almost all of these emerging infectious diseases, it will become interesting and, and fascinating, but not a huge public health problem. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. 
Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson. Our associate producer is Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Kurt Krauss and Massimo Giola. Matewa. Matewa.